focus. Focus. The tide is coming in. But we've just begun our picnic. We aren't done with our game. Collect your beach blankets and playthings while you can. For the tide waits. For no man. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is our episode number two. You are listening to Processing College Football with Mark and Jason. I am your host. Jason Randazza, coming at you from the epicenter of college football, Birmingham, Alabama, and with me, my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I forgot you were in Birmingham. Yeah, I yeah. Thought you were gonna, I thought you were going to make a joke and say the epicenter of college football, New York, <laughs> New York City. City. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you are. Actually, I'm, in I'm still in Birmingham. I, uh, I head back to New York tomorrow, um, so I, I came down here for the UAB game. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that later, but yeah. my week's been pretty good. Um, been eating well. I mean, people talk about how good New York City has food, but uh, I don't know. You know, I ate at a meet and three, which is something New York does not have, and uh, it was supremely satisfying. Um, I that. How's your week been? My week's been good, man. It's uh, It's been busy, but it's been good. Glad to have a little break, talk a little college football. Yeah, yeah. Been trying to get into that new T Swift song. Oh yeah, um, you know it's it's my fave there, Jason. No, it's new the T-Swift. worst. <laughs> I tried. But, I tried Taylor. I tried. But yeah, the big the big thing this week was my kids started school. Oh yeah, second they grader. did. Yeah, wait, second grader and a kindergartner. And a kindergartner. So. Yeah. The picture. She looks happy. She's she could not be more excited that to start school. That's great. Then. I'm trying to remember at what age. Uh, that was um, cultivated out of me, um, but, but I, I do. I, I don't want you to give you the impression that I don't like to learn. I really do like to learn, and I'm ready to learn a little bit about college football if you're Let's ready to teach me. Hey, I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So since this is processing college football, uh, we talked last week about how we want to get some people into the sport, um, be accessible, explain things that might seem intimidating to those who are new to it. Um, so we're going to process a few terms at, at the the top of the show here. Uh, things that came up over this last week that uh, s- some of them I know now, but I know at some point I didn't and I had to ask. So for all of the those of you who might have seen these things come up and were afraid to ask, I'm going to ask for you. Um, the, the first thing I, I wanted to discuss with you is unsports unsportsmanlike conduct. I was at the UAB game. Um, as I said, I'll talk about that a little bit more later. And after a play was over, it, it looks like there was like a late hit or something. A flag was thrown. Uh, the ref issued an unsportsmanlike conduct against one of the players and said it was his quote first offense. I, I don't know if there was another penalty associated with it. I suspect, you know, something thing. I don't know, but how many offenses do people get? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the reason they said it's his first offense is on the second offense, if he gets another unsportsmanlike conduct, he's going to get thrown out of the game. And if it's in the first half, then he's just out for the rest of that game. But if he gets the second unsportsmanlike conduct in the second half, he actually misses the first half of the following game, even if that following game is the next year. Yeah, I, I think that happened with an FSU player, right? I don't remember. I think there was like a flagrant foul. I think they mentioned it, uh, that they had a player coming in at halftime uh, because of uh, yes. something that happened in a bowl game. Yeah, I wouldn't have known because I was at a wedding. With these <laughs> people. So I watched the highlights afterwards and okay. did, broke down some film. But the other thing with unsportsmanlike is if it's flagrant enough on the first one, they'll throw you out too. So you don't necessarily need to. If you, get it, if you do it bad enough, they'll, they'll toss you out of number one. I don't even want to say that this looked entirely intentional. I mean, I guess it was late enough after the play was over that they threw the flag. Uh, It didn't look all that serious. But anyway, um, okay, thank you for that. Uh, Another thing that came up at the UAB game, there was, I guess, uh, the quarterback for Alabama A&M dropped the ball. The ruling on the field was a fumble. Um, 
so it was fumbled. Another A&M player picked it up and nearly ran it in for a touchdown. Uh, they were about to start the next play. Uh, UAB used one of their timeouts to challenge the call. Um, so I guess they looked at footage, um, and then they reversed the the call, and so the ball came back. Uh, but the question it seemed like they were talking about is, was this a fumble? Was this an incomplete forward pass? Um, and I guess they came to the decision that it was an incomplete forward pass. But uh, just, if you could, I don't know, clarify kind of what they're looking at when they are reviewing that, that, that footage. Yeah, so if they're looking at a fumble versus incomplete forward pass when a quarterback's being tackled uh, on the quarterback end of things, then it's about is his hand moving forward? Is he doing a throwing motion with the football when the ball comes out? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they must have looked at it live and thought his arm was not moving forward in a throwing motion. So they ruled it a fumble uh, in which somebody can pick it up and run whatever direction. Uh, but they must have looked at it on the replay uh, UAB must have seen something. Maybe a guy up in the booth is is watching the, the replay. Mm-hmm. Um, tells the people down on the field, challenge it, call a timeout. And so they must have seen that his arm was indeed moving forward, which means he's trying to throw, and when it hits the ground, it's an incomplete forward pass. The ball is dead, plays over. Okay. So uh, this is kind of secondary to this. If, if the... Alabama A&M player had recovered it, and it was a fumble, um, and he gets tackled. Is that a first down? Does he get the yardage uh, for that play as if it was, like, thrown to him? He gets yardage for that play, but not in the passing category. Okay. So it'd be like, it would be, I think, rushing yards for that player. Okay. So if the first down was eight yards away and the fumble goes eight yards, someone picks it up and gets tackled right there, it's a first down for him? Yes. Okay, okay. Interesting. Okay, well, uh, I'm glad that it was reversed, uh, because that would have put Alabama A&M ahead of UAB, and that would not be a good look. Um, The last thing I want to talk about today (laughs) might be the buzzword of the Alabama-FSU game. Uh, and if you watch the game, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Uh, the, the term is pass interference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in the, in the Alabama, Florida state game, uh, toward the end of the first half, um, Jimbo Fisher was not very happy because the refs did not call pass interference on Tony Brown, uh, and a ball that was thrown into the end zone. So, uh, essentially, Tony Brown, the ball's in the air. Tony Brown, the Alabama defender, is running. He's not looking back at the ball, makes early contact with the receiver as he's trying to, as the receiver's trying to catch the ball. Receiver drops it. No flag is thrown. The question is, should, there be, should that have been pass interference? The answer is, unfortunately, absolutely. Um, Tony Brown was not looking back at the ball when he made contact with the receiver. And so there should have been pass interference because he's not making a play on the ball. He's just making a play on the player. And in the rules, if you read through the rules, a huge deal for refs when they're looking to call pass interference is, is the defender trying to make a play on the ball? Because it's going to be really hard for a wide receiver and a defensive back to never make contact. Mm -hmm. The question is, are you making a play on the ball? And Tony Brown was not. He He had his back completely turned as the ball was coming, and he just <laughs> ran directly into the wide receiver. No call. Jimbo Fisher was mad, and rightfully so. Um, and so that absolutely should have been a pass interference. Right at the end of the half, uh, they would have you know, got an automatic first down. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would have been uh, maybe a difference maker. Maybe not in the end of the game because, you know, we, I don't know, blocked a lot of punts, field goals, et cetera. Sure. But, um it could have made a difference uh, in the game for sure. I, I mean, I, I think looking at it uh, and considering where Alabama was, where FSU was at that point in the game, um, I don't know. It, it could have it could have changed the momentum a little bit. Uh, so when a ref fails to make a call like that, there's there's nothing a coach can do, right? They can't challenge like failure to make a call. Well, yeah. not 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 on the field, you know. I mean. So what, if Jimbo Fisher is going to argue with the ref, he's not going to get that overturned um, unless they immediately meet and say, hey, 
I, the refs can get together and another ref, ref could say, you may have missed this, but the guy just wasn't looking at the ball. Okay. You should throw a flag. Um, but I guess he would probably throw the flag if he saw it. But if you remember later on, there was a penalty. Uh, DeAndre Francois was running out of bounds, and Mika Fitzpatrick hit him as he was going out of bounds, but Francois was still in the field of play. The ref immediately threw a flag, but then they gathered and mm-hmm. said, it was like actually he was still in, and they picked up the flag, no penalty. Now that was because of some protesting on the sideline. So you can protest immediately, and they they, they might look at it and discuss and reverse it. But later on, here, what Jimbo Fisher is really trying to do uh, later on in the game, complaining to the refs, is saying something like, "He's not going to say this, but this is what he's trying to do." You gave them one, you owe us one. That was a pretty bad missed call. You might want to give us one later. Or, hey, you know, what's going on here? And the other thing that they can do um, is afterwards they can, you know, file you know, like a grievance to somebody and about bad refing or whatever to, to the league. So, um, you know, there's a couple things you can do, but it's not going to change that game. Even if yeah. they go back and say, you know what, this ref missed the call. They're going to come and be like, and here's what we think would have happened. Florida State was going to win. You know what? We give the win to Florida State, lost Alabama. So it's not a whole lot that, that you can do in terms of changing the outcome of that. I see. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, I suspect that will come up again. It comes up, I don't know, multiple times every weekend. Um, but since we're already talking about the Alabama FSU game, um, why don't we do a little bit of a review here? So. Uh, the line going in was Alabama by seven, seven and a half. We, we thought that that was a lot of points. Um, and, and we both predicted, I think the final score would be 24, 21. Now the final score was 24 to seven. So we got Alabama score, right? Um, uh, but, uh, you had a chance to take a look at this game. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I thought the first half, you know, went about like, like it, it should have, you know, 10, seven and a half makes sense. Great defenses playing offenses, getting a handle on things. Um, speed everywhere. Just the speed is unreal on both teams. But then the second half, everything just kind of went very strangely. Really yeah. just kind of into the third quarter, going into the fourth, things got very, very strange. I, I mean, I think uh, Florida state's lucky uh, to have kept it to, to Alabama, the 24 points um, with, couple interceptions blocking punts in the field position florida state's defense did a phenomenal job of keeping alabama out of the end zone you had a couple of missed field goals to that we only end up with 24 could have been much farther out of hand than that um and then i was impressed with alabama's defense i mean i think we're we're not that disciplined yet we're pretty young but man we are very very fast um the other thing is the defensive line can't really get that much pressure on the quarterback just rushing three or four. So we're bringing more blitzes than we were last year. But, um, you know, overall, I thought the the flow of the game was about what I expected until the very end. And then you get 24 seven because Florida state keeps coughing up the ball. They can't drive anywhere. And it probably should have been more than 24, but Alabama's offense just sputtered too many times. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so one thing we do have to talk about, uh, I think when we talk about this game is there were a number of, fairly serious injuries. Alabama lost, I think, uh, two defensive players, linebackers. Um, They're out for the season. And then, of course, FSU lost uh, DeAndre Francois. Um, He had a knee injury. I I I thought he looked really good for uh, the first half of the game. Alabama wasn't really able to do anything uh, through the air um, because Florida State's defense looked so good. Uh, as you said, they kept him out of the end zone. Um, but uh, DeAndre Francois was able to uh, pass on Alabama. Um, clearly, if yeah, if you look at the stats, uh, he was doing pretty well up until, I think, uh, he threw an interception, and then I think it just he, he kind of lost his nerves a little bit. And I think he, th- he threw a second one, too. Um, and then he was injured, um, and yeah, yeah. I think uh, 
Francois looked pretty good. Uh, I mean, he put some balls on the money, and wide receivers are making plays. Uh, on that touchdown drive they had, they had a couple of passes um, that looked really good. Alabama's defense was actually on them. Uh, mm-hmm. the touchdown pass, Mika Fitzpatrick was all over the wide receiver. Just a great catch. Earlier, there was a deep pass. Anthony Averett was all over the wide receiver. Just a great catch. And that's where Alabama's defense in the passing game has been weak, if you want to call it that, is uh, the receiver is 6'5". And DeAndre Francois just put it in a spot where only his receiver could get it. And if you make that play, you make that play. It's just really good offense. And so it was really – it was tough to see uh, Francois go down with an injury at the end of the game because, um, man, he's just a talented, talented player. Uh, I hate that for Florida State. On the defensive end for us with the players that we lost, um, we lost two for the season mm-hmm. um, in Christian Miller and Terrell Lewis. But we also lost two other players to injuries, at least for the for the next week or so, uh, a couple of a, mo- a couple more linebackers. Uh, and so we're going to have some young guys out there. I think with Fresno State coming up, we'll have an opportunity to get some other people playing time. It won't hurt too bad, but um, – you know, losing four linebackers like that is is going to going to take its toll. But maybe I'll get some other players some experience. So there are a lot of injuries uh, all over the field. But um, hopefully, we'll get a couple of those guys back in the future. Yeah, in the near future. Um, the good news for FSU is that uh, I mean uh, they're not going to uh, recover to the same strength uh, as a war with DeAndre Francois. The the lead there at, at quarterback, but they have a little bit of time to figure things out. They're playing against Louisiana Monroe this weekend, um, so hopefully, hopefully they they figure things out before they hit their run of in conference games. I'd still like to see them in the the conference championship, but I think the pendulum probably swung swiftly and heavily towards Clemson. Um, yeah, and they look pretty good. Yeah, um, you know the the other thing on for us. Um, for Alabama is I expected more out of the passing game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, to not even get, reach a hundred yards passing is pretty tough, but I don't think all that's Jalen hurts. If you watch the, if you watch the film, he may have bailed a couple of times early um, and started to run instead of stuck there and uh, go through his progressions to get the ball to a wide receiver, but our offensive line didn't block very well. That's not good. Um, and then with the passing, I thought tight ends would be more involved. I thought we would be better on third down. I thought we'd be better in the red zone. We were terrible and all that. The only the only person the only wide receiver who caught a ball was Calvin Ridley. The two other guys are running backs. Um, and only two other wide receivers were even targeted. We didn't even target a tight end in the in the passing game. If that doesn't get better, um, we're we're gonna lose a couple of games. You just can't be that one dimensional all the time. Um, and so I think that's the big concern going forward in my mind for Alabama is, is the passing game. Uh, it just wasn't nearly as good as I thought it would be with Jalen Hurts starting his second year, Brian Dable, offensive coordinator. So uh, that's, that's the big concern in my mind. Sure. Okay. Uh, I, I agree with all of those points. Um, luckily, yes, they do play Fresno State this weekend. Uh, so, I, I don't know. May, maybe we'll see some improvement uh, before Alabama goes to their run in, in conference games. Uh, next up, uh, just real quick, Auburn, Georgia Southern. Auburn was a 34.5-point favorite. Um, they won 41-7. to Do you have anything to say about this any highlights auburn looked pretty good i think but it's kind of hard to tell uh much when they're playing a against a, a five touchdown spread uh i mean i i got nothing to say about this game yeah okay me either uh good for auburn uh for winning a game that they were supposed to win um next up uab alabama a&m uh, they did end up posting a line for this one, UAB by 28 points. Uh, I believe I predicted, uh, UAB to win 124 points to their shameful resignation. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, the final score was 38 to seven. Um, yeah. Uh, so they did beat that spread. 
Yeah, that's uh, I mean, an amazing win for UAB, uh, getting back into uh, college football after being gone for a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, news was it was record attendance, yeah. uh, just a crazy atmosphere. Jason, you were there. Um, I'd love to hear you talk about this game, the atmosphere, yeah. what, it, what it seems to mean to the program and to the city. So talk yeah. a little bit about so, that. So, yeah. So I went to this game, um, and I, I graduated from UAB. So it, like being there, it was a, it was a really emotional experience. Um, it was kind of hard to be in attendance knowing what I know about UAB, knowing what I know about Birmingham, uh, and not see this return, hashtag the return, um, kind of as representative uh, of... Uh, a return of this the city itself um i know you and i mentioned last week that um we we both grew up in, grew up in birmingham uh and and we both left so i know you left a little over 10 years ago right uh and i left maybe about five and a half years ago um and even even when i left five years ago birmingham was a very very different place uh, and kind of in those last five years so the city's kind of been reborn um it's been mentioned as a destination uh, more than a few times in some like travel publications. The New York Times listed it as uh, one of the top 52 places to visit in 2017. Um, and <laughs> I'm sure you remember uh, when I first started uh, at UAB over a decade ago. Oh, geez. Oh, it's closer to two decades ago. Holy crap. Getting old. Getting <laughs> oh, old. Um, so people who graduated from our high school... Um, they, they went to Auburn, they went to Alabama, or they went somewhere out of state if their test scores or their scholarships or their parents' money got them there. But UAB was not such a serious consideration. I mean, that was for a few different reasons. You know, mostly it was like a hometown school, and it didn't really have a culture at the time of, like, you know, living on campus uh, the way you, you might for some other schools. Um, so... You know, that was the city, that was a school, and then, of course, Ray Watts comes in and, and kills the program in 2014, and I, I think at that point, the city was even a different place in 2014 uh, than it was from when, like, when he took the helm in 2013, um, so killing the program, I think, might have been, you know, more feasible in 2012, uh, but suddenly there's this revitalized business community that rallied around the program, former players, you know, citizens of the city, uh, and, and it was brought back uh, because people really cared. So I go to this game, and it's record attendance. Uh, there was not an empty seat on the UAB side. Uh, and so I'm sitting there, and I can't help but think that this was a team that was dismissed from a school that a, a lot of people, especially our peers, had dismissed from a city that people had dismissed. And, and they're back, and they're better than ever. Um, and, uh, and, and people were just so excited, and, and I was too. Uh, and I even got on the Jumbotron. So um, the game was great. Uh, I actually, I, I have to say, I think Alabama A&M played really well. They had... Uh, a pretty large attendance, um, considering, uh, that they were not the home team. Um, so UAB ended up coming out on top. They got on the board early and, uh, things went back and forth without much scoring in the first half. Um, but then, you know, UAB ran away with it. It was, it was so great. I'm so glad I went. Um, and I really, really, uh, hope that they have a great season. Uh, I, tweeted out from our account so if you're listening college i'm sorry processing cfb on twitter uh i i tweeted that i i smell a bowl and i think it smells a little bit like roses or sugar um so we'll see wow (laughs) towards the end of the season not you know not to be over ambitious or anything rose bowl huh sugar Mm -hmm. bowl I mean, I, th- I think it's I think it's definitely feasible first year for a program to be back. I mean, I think thirty-eight seven Alabama and M definitely is is just a har- <laughs> harbinger harbinger of great things to come. Yeah. Uh, perhaps even a Rose Bowl appearance. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's definitely possible. I think we'll we'll keep track of that. We'll keep we tabs on I that week in week out. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. We should we should probably uh, we should probably look up the odds on UAB and the Rose Bowl. What are the odds on that? I'm sure Vegas has a line on that. Well, I, I'm sure it, it got much more likely after this weekend. So, uh, could have made a lot of money last week, but uh, yeah. maybe not so much now. Anyway, put, put your bets in now. Put your bets in now, people. So that was the UAB game. Um, should we head out of state? Yeah, let's do it. 
Okay, so uh, the kind of headlining out-of-state matchup was the Michigan-Florida game. Michigan, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Final score was 33-17 to Michigan. What did you think of this one? Oh, man. I mean, it didn't go exactly as I thought. It was a little strange. Uh, but the final score is basically the way I thought it would end up. Florida looked terrible on offense. Um which I think they're going to not be that great on offense anyway, but losing a couple of their big-time players on offense to suspension made that even more likely, uh, and that's what you saw. They rotated in a couple of quarterbacks. They they didn't look good. Uh, Michigan's a good football team, got a great defense. And so um, I think this is about what you expect. Florida's defense kept them in the game for a while, but uh, you can't have your defense scoring all your points and expect to win games. So, uh yeah, that's about what I expected, and uh, Florida's going to have a tough season. Yeah, no, I agree, especially if they play like that. But I I don't really – I didn't feel like Michigan looked all that much better. So, yeah, Florida's defense, we were basically counting on, I guess, winning it for them. It was only their defense and I think, like, uh, their their punter who scored all of the points. Um, and they, they threw two interceptions, both of which were returned for touchdowns. Um but uh, I don't know. Um, it it might have been more out of hand, um, or actually, it might have been more of a, a matchup if uh, Florida had uh, not fumbled three times themselves, um, or if they could run the ball. At the end of the game, I think they had a total of eleven rushing yards. Um, not a good luck. This is this is terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, this is hey, really Jason, do you do you have Florida in the SEC championship game? Um, I did, I did have Florida. Um, I, I might come over to your side on the Georgia pick. I think that's who you had, but maybe when those players get back from suspension, uh, Florida maybe will improve. <laughs> well, we'll also see what Georgia's made of, at least a little bit against Notre Dame this week. Yeah. So we'll yeah. see. We'll okay. see. All right, let's move on. Uh, West Virginia, Virginia Tech. Apparently this is a rivalry, um, but a rivalry they don't play every year. I think the last time they played was like 2008. Um, so Virginia Tech went into the game a four and a half point favorite. The final was uh, 31-24 Virginia Tech. Uh, we had this game relatively close like this. Yeah, I, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a rivalry, I guess. There's Virginia in both names, hence rivalry, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. Um, but... I don't know, that's about what I expected. I don't I don't know that I care too much about West Virginia Virginia Tech, but we had a pretty much on the on on the dot close game back and forth. Yeah. Um and it really good, was. So. And and it looked like uh West Virginia might have pulled it off. Um Will Grigger looked good, but uh in the final seconds of the game he just he couldn't. He he couldn't get there. Uh there was a lot of production through the air though. He had three hundred and seventy five passing yards, um, and still lost the game, unfortunately. That's not hard to do. Yeah, when you're playing those defenses, you know. Sure. Says says the SEC guy whose team threw for ninety some odd yards. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Well, acknowledge your bias. That's that's fine. exactly that's what we do here. So speaking speaking of uh, SEC teams that maybe could have looked a little bit better, um, Tennessee Georgia Tech. Uh, I think we both just picked Tennessee over Tech. Um, I don't know if we gave uh, a, a score for this one that we were anticipating, but the final was 42 to 41. Uh, I think it went into double overtime. Yeah, 42 41. It's a crazy game. It's a fun game to watch. Uh, Tennessee came out real slow, looked very terrible. We were texting back and forth during this game yeah. a little bit. And I remember I, mean, I was texting you, Tennessee is in trouble. They look tired. Their defense looks totally gassed. Georgia Tech was doing whatever they wanted to on offense. Um, and I said, it's going to be really hard for them to come back unless there's turnovers. Yep. I think I think right as I sent that text, there was the first there was turnover. turnover. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's what turned the game. I mean, uh, Georgia Tech was still – they could not stop Georgia Tech. It, if – they weren't going to fumble and hand it over to them. Then, the Georgia Tech was going to score a touchdown pretty much every every drive. And boom, couple turnovers. Tennessee gets back in the game. 
their offense suddenly wakes up. Um, uh, they look pretty good. Looks like maybe they found a wide receiver, a uh, good running back, at least against uh, tired Georgia Tech defense. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing comeback, exciting end, double overtime. Love, love Georgia Tech going for it, going for two. Yeah, and double both. overtime. Let's just let's just end it here. You know, yeah. let's just see what happens. And uh, Tennessee came up with a big stop, and uh, so it was an exciting game. Uh, Tennessee's definitely got some stuff to fix, but. You know, this is what they did a lot last year. Yeah. You know, they would either look bad and come back and pull a game out or they would look good and then lose. I mean, it's, you know, it's, uh, I guess it's the way Butch Jones prepares his players. I have no idea, but um, they need to they need to get better for sure, I think. Especially on defense, what, 500-plus yards rushing allowed? They had, yeah, Georgia Tech was all over them. Um, it, to me... Tennessee just looked like a, a terrible team in that first half. And I was like, no, they do not deserve to win. And, of course, then they come back and win. And, you know, simultaneously I'm following all of the Firebush Butch Jones tweets uh, on Twitter, um, <laughs> <laughs> which they they started to get kind of quiet um, uh, sometime in the fourth quarter. Uh, but, yeah, that, it was... It was it was a really fun game to watch. Um, would you have if if you were the coach of Georgia Tech, would you have gone for that two point conversion? I mean, I think I would have gone for the two point conversion the first time. Yeah, um, you got a you got a smaller team that's starting to wear down, and you just you need to end the game. I mean, you can't. So I mean, I think he uh, and second overtime, I think. You know, Tennessee had caught on and they were doing stuff, but I think you go for it right right out the gate, put a little pressure on their defense. Maybe they're not expecting it, and mm-hmm. you pull out. I mean, Paul Johnson's got you know two point conversion plays. I'm sure that are great. Pull out your best one, see what happens. Um, but yeah, I would have gone for it probably on the first one. Okay. Okay. All right, um, so those are the, all the games we previewed last week. Um, just a few other things to highlight, kind of. Uh, it was a, So it, it was a big week for Alabama. UAB won, Auburn won, Alabama won. Um, we got a little bit of tangential Alabama news, I guess you could say. Lane Kiffin, um, who <laughs> left Alabama last year, uh, lost his first game with FAU against Navy. Um, the, the, the press from that was not uh, favorable. I didn't bother to watch any highlights. Uh, and then also kind of tangential news, um, Cam Newton's little brother, Kalen, uh, is the quarterback for Howard University uh, yeah. hosted a shocking upset against UNLV? Um, something like they were expected to lose by forty-five points, and he wins the game. Um, I I was reading all sorts of crazy things, like if you had put a hundred dollars on that game, you would have gotten like sixty thousand or or something nuts. Um, so I guess w- what I need to ask you is, sh- should we, as Alabama fans, be worried about Kalen transferring to Auburn? Always. 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 Look, I- I'm I'm dead serious. I-, I still have nightmares about, about Cam Newton. And, um, like, when, there are a few times watching the Alabama-Florida State game, I saw DeAndre, DeAndre Francois. And he's got a smile that's similar to Cam Newton. This was all he's over kinda- Twitter. There were side-by-side like pictures of them. I mean, they look nothing I, alike when they take the helmet off, but when they have that with helmet, the helmet on, on, they look, they look very so similar. similar. And dude, I was, it was like, I, I was having like, a, I, my heart started racing and my blood pressure was rising. I was like, no, 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 no. This can't happen. This yeah. can't happen. Uh, but I was like, I was just having flashbacks and it was, it was terrible. So yeah, if, uh, I, I don't care who he is. He could, his brother could be five, three, a hundred pounds. It doesn't matter. I don't want to play quarterback for Auburn against Alabama. I just don't want it to happen. Uh, Kalen, if you're, if you're listening and I suspect you probably are. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Kalen, stay where you are. You're, you're no, winning no, no. historic games. Nick Saban would be happy to have you. Hey, UAB would be happy to have you. So. Well, no, no, that's a good move. I mean, if you can't beat him, join him. Kalen, come on, buddy. Right. We got a we got we got a slot for you. Right, blaze your own path. Um, you know, 
yeah. So uh, then, then some other things to hit. We're, we're going to talk about Baker Mayfield here in a second when we do a quick preview of the the Oklahoma Ohio State game. But then there was another impressive quarterback. I I think impressive. Josh Rosen um, of uh, UCLA playing against Texas A and M. Uh, they were they were behind forty four to ten with two minutes and six seconds left in the third quarter. This game was over. Uh, Mark, we talked briefly before this podcast started. I, I know you have some thoughts on this. Would you care to share? Jason, here, here, here's the <laughs> thing with this game. No, I might get a little animated uh, or excited. I don't know if you can see me, but I'll probably be flailing my arms a little bit. And So just imagine that in your mind's eye. I'm flailing my arms. I'm getting excited when my voice starts to increase in volume. But it, the focus has been on Josh Rosen mainly, I think, and for good reason. I mean, yes, UCLA had to make make the plays in order to score the points to come back. Kudos to Josh Rosen <laughs> and UCLA. Way to go. But Texas A&M absolutely blew this game. In particular... Kevin Sumlin. Kevin, Kevin Sumlin, Sumlin, their coach. The head coach for Texas A&M should be blamed 100% for this loss. 100%. And in the, the, the thing that really gets me is in the press conference afterwards, he's taking questions. He says, ah, well, you know, we lost Nick Starkle. We lost the de- defensive player. Nick Starkle was our starting quarterback for this game. But it was his first start. And we lost a defensive player that kind of changed the dynamic of the game. And, and we left a couple plays out there. There's an interception that was right in the guy's hands, and he dropped it. And he took a little bit of credit for the loss. As coaches, we got to do better. But I think he also put a little bit on the players. And look, uh, the guy should have made the interception. Uh, maybe losing your starting quarterback, whatever. But you go into the fourth quarter with a 27-point lead, and you are running the ball for hundreds of yards in the first half against this, against their defense. Jason, it should literally be impossible to lose the game if you're not turning the ball over. Because here's the thing. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't make huge mistakes. They just didn't score, right? 44 to 10 with a couple minutes left in the third. Going into the fourth quarter, it's 44-17. In the fourth quarter, you don't turn the ball over. It should literally be impossible for the other team to score 28 points. Here's why. If you get to that point and you're running the ball like you are, just run the football every play. It does not matter. It simply does not matter if you don't gain any yards, even if you lose a couple, which only happened a couple of times when they ran the ball. Mm-hmm. Usually, they were gaining huge chunks of yards running the ball. And here's why you should run the ball even if you don't gain those yards. The clock keeps running. UCLA should not have had the amount of time to score that many points. And so in response, somebody asked this question to someone in the press conference. They said, you know, what, what about the play calling? Well, why didn't you run the ball? And this is this would have been my precise question. Kevin Selman said, well, you know, with the way the game was going, we were trying to score. Hey, Kevin Sumlin, <laughs> guess what, buddy? You literally did not score a single touchdown throwing the ball. You averaged more yards per carry than you did – yards per attempt pass your quarterback that came in kellen mond he was three for 17 throwing the ball but guess what he ran for 55 yards even when kevin sumlin you take off the yards from his rushing that he got from sacks when he dropped back to pass you couldn't protect him he can't throw the ball your receivers couldn't catch the ball and you decided to pass the ball anyway with a 27 point lead it should literally be impossible to do that And let's say you want to blame your offensive coordinator. Not possible. As a head coach, you go to your offensive coordinator and you say, hey, do not pass the ball at all, ever, in the rest of this game. If you do, you're fired. You're fired. And so here's the thing. I even ran the numbers. I was so amped up about this. I ran (laughs) the numbers. I looked at every play from when Nick Starkle got hurt and left the game Mm -hmm. or Kellen Mond was running running the offense. So it 824, 824 left in the third quarter. 824 left in the third quarter. You're up by 34 points. Mm-hmm. 
You have a backup quarterback in. You don't know how he's going to throw the ball. You're running the ball all over him, and you decide to throw the ball a lot, and you have four incomplete passes. Here's the problem. Your incomplete passes for the rest of the game, at least from 824 in the third quarter on, they average taking seven seconds off the clock. Seven seconds. Mm-hmm. When you run the ball, or, yeah, when you run the ball, even if you gain no yards, you're averaging taking 32 seconds off the clock. Jason, those four incomplete passes in that first drive, if you run the ball, guess what? That's almost two minutes of time more that you take off the clock. Hey, t- tell me something, Jason. Mm-hmm. UCLA scored with their final touchdown with how much time left on the clock? Uh, 45 seconds? I don't 48 seconds. 48, 48 seconds. 48 seconds, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. That could if have you, made the difference. Literally, if you run the ball those four times, guess what? The game's over. They can't win. Much less the other times where the next drive, you have another incomplete pass. Uh, the next drive, you have two incomplete passes. Or, no, after that, another one incomplete. Two incomplete passes on the following drive. And then, here's the thing. You're up by six. Mm-hmm. There's two and a half minutes left in the game. You get the ball. You're up by six, two and a half minutes left in the game. You only take 31 seconds off the clock. That shouldn't be possible because you come out and you try to throw the football jason just shouldn't be possible you should win the game even if they score on every drive from that point forward from the the eight minute mark in the third quarter forward even if they score on every drive they shouldn't have time to catch up to you and your best option on offense anyway to get yards to score points to keep the ball away from their offense is to run the ball given how the game is going Kevin Sumlin and the way that he ran the second half of that game doesn't make any sense. It is terrible, terrible coaching. So here's here's what I I, I mean. I'm listening to this and I I have to ask. Okay, Texas A&M. This is this is not like some second tier crappy like coaching job. This is this is head coach at an SEC school, and I think. Their athletic department brings in more money than anywhere else in the country. It, it's hard to look at basically all of those things you s- said and think he's not doing this on purpose. Um, I, I mean, I, I don't understand the the logic of any of it, and I mean, it sounds like you don't either. Uh, sh- should he be fired? I don't know. This is you know a podcast that. Millions of people listen to across the country, yeah, yeah. In, in, including you know the board of regents. Who mm-hmm. you know, one guy put a Facebook post up about how he wanted to fire Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, I, I read that. So I don't want to unduly influence America <laughs> uh, here, um, but I would strongly consider it. <laughs> yeah, I would strongly consider. I mean, I'm not saying he's doing it on purpose. It's just a horrible job of coaching, um, and I just it, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around it, Kevin. Someone, I, I don't know, but Jason, I'll, I'll tell you this. You could have literally taken Kevin Sumlin, uh-huh. removed him as head coach, put me in there. Uh-huh. Sex A&M wins a football game. Because I would have gone to my offensive coordinator and said, I don't have a freaking clue how to call a play. <laughs> okay, but I'm telling you this. Run the ball. Don't throw it. Call running plays. Whatever that sounds like. I don't know your language uh, that you call it in. I don't know how to signal it in. Tell the guys with the signs and the hands and the whatever, tell them to run the ball. Even if you just bring the quarterback over to the sideline every play, and I look at him in the face and I say, run the football. Yeah. You know, this is actually good. I, I think uh, we're going to try to get this trending on Twitter uh, that Mark Catlin is the the current number one pick to replace Kevin Sumlin at Texas A&M. So. I mean, it was – uh, I, I am down for that okay. in a hypoth- in a hypothetical world. Sure. Okay. Well, it's about to become not hypothetical, so you better nice. reconcile your feelings around it. What, um, what's the ha- what's the hashtag there? Oh, jeez. I mean, people are already using fire Kevin Sumlin. Um, Just well, hire Mark Catlin. Boom. <laughs> that's hire Mark Catlin. All right. It's so creative. So creative. Yeah. Um. All right, so uh, those are kind of the the highlights 
that we we wanted to go over. Uh, but let's let's talk about some games for this upcoming week. Uh, now Alabama is playing Fresno State. Uh, we'll do a, a quick look at that in a minute. But the big game uh, in the state of Alabama football is Auburn Clemson. Auburn. <laughs> Winning their first week game uh, and yet miraculously falling to 13th uh, in the AP rankings. And Clemson is number three. Clemson has the line by four and a half points. Uh, expected one by four and a half here. W- what are your thoughts here? Uh, I'm going to go Auburn wins. Yeah, no, I have Auburn winning outright. Uh, the score I have is twenty-eight to twenty-four. I don't know. Clemson played Kent State and they won fifty-six to three. Auburn won forty-one to seven. Uh, did we learn anything here? I, I don't know. Um, no, they just we learned that they they beat the teams they should have. Yeah, right. right. So we also, I mean, we we did learn. I mean, they have some athletes and the quarterbacks are good, that kind of stuff. But yeah. we'll see what happens when they play real defenses. Sure. All right. Um, okay, next game up, we're going to do a quick chat about uh, Oklahoma-Ohio State. This is the game day game. Um, so we have number two, Ohio State, squaring off against number five, Oklahoma. Ohio State's expected to win by seven and a half points. Uh, quick thoughts on this? I think that line's a little high, but um, I'm still going to go Ohio State at home. Uh, I mean, Baker Mayfield looked pretty darn good one yeah. incomplete pass but um i'm gonna go ohio state uh but i they're not they're not gonna cover I'm, i think i think yeah i'm gonna disagree with you on this one i am going to pick oklahoma to win outright oklahoma um <laughs> looked really good so baker mayfield yeah like you said he was 19 for 20 uh 329 through 29 yards through the air three touchdowns and ohio state kind of struggled in the first half against Indiana, um, and I don't know that they can afford to play like that here. Uh, I'm going to say Oklahoma 31, uh, Ohio State 21. Uh, so I'm going to disagree. I like that. Yeah. Should we talk about Stanford-USC? Apparently this is a rivalry game as well. USC has the line by seven points. Uh, what do you have this game? Go on Stanford outright. Stanford outright. All right. I have uh, USC... Uh, winning 24 to 20. Um, then Georgia is playing Notre Dame. Georgia is ranked 15. Notre Dame is ranked 24. Uh, Notre Dame is expected to win by four and a half points. Tell me something. Is Notre Dame just getting a lot of undeserved credit? They played Temple in week one. They and they, but they they went four and eight last year. They're ranked number 24. So why are they ranked? Okay. Maryland won a game against a ranked Texas team. Maryland's not anywhere on the rankings. At least I didn't see them there. Um, why? Why do we think that Notre Dame is a different team this year? I I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, Brian Kelly, coach, hasn't really showed me that much. They haven't yeah. really played anybody yet. And I, I think people just want Notre Dame to be good every year. It seems like. I, I want them to be good. I mean, as a as an Alabama fan growing up, loved the traditional powerhouses, loved watching Oklahoma and Texas, and Notre Dame was one of my favorite teams. Mm-hmm. I think everybody just wants them to be good. There's such yeah. a rich tradition in history. They've been down for so long. But uh, I'm taking Georgia. Yeah, me too. I, I say Georgia. I, I don't think it's even going to be close. I'm saying 34-17. Wow. I like that about you. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, so in the last couple, uh, minutes here, uh, we'll go over, I don't know, five more games, uh, just tell me if you think they're gonna beat the spread, um, we'll do this rapid fire, Alabama-Fresno State, the spread is 43 and a half points, uh, surprisingly in Alabama's favor. Uh, shocking. Uh, I think Fresno State will beat the spread. Okay, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Louisville, ranked number 16, playing UNC. Louisville is expected to win uh, by 10 points. Will they beat the spread? UNC will lose by more than 10 points. I agree, yeah. They Um, lost to South Carolina. Yeah, although Louisville didn't look so great in week one. Uh, 
Lamar, but, they have Lamar. He's just gonna take over. It'll, yeah, it'll be. I, I'm looking for him to to be explosive again here. Um, all right, uh, Penn State Pitt. Uh, this uh, Penn State's currently number six. They're expected to win by 21 points. I do not think uh, they they cover that. No, Pitt, Pitt beats the spread easily. Yeah, I I think Pitt's one of those teams that's always a little bit better than people. Uh, think they will be um then real quick we have uh, another rivalry game utah byu this is the holy war right that's what they call this game i think so it's utah byu uh yeah know. yeah so uh utah is expected to win by one point um so i guess this just comes down to whether or not you think utah will win utah will win because byu is terrible yeah i is Utah terrible? Why is there's there's a point here? Okay, yeah, I agree. Utah's gonna win. All right, uh, and then the kind of headliner game of the whole weekend: UAB Ball State. Um, Ball State is expected to win fourteen by fourteen and a half points. Not uh, a chance, Jason. Not I'm a chance. I'm picking UAB outright. Um, someone's going to resign in shame this year, uh, and it won't be UAB. Um, so. Ball State, I just feel sorry for them. Um, what do you think? I don't know. When I first read this, I thought it said UAB by 14 and a half. I'm shocked. Yeah. I don't know. What, uh, Ball and that State. seems a little low, but um, yeah. So UAB not only covers, they, they win it outright. All right. This is a pretty exciting week of college football coming up. I don't know. Week one, it, it almost couldn't have gone better. Um, I'm just really excited to be in college football season again. Um, that's kind of all of the, the reviews and previews we have this week, but just quick, um, if you want to, uh, get in touch with us, there are a number of ways to do it. Email us processing college football at gmail.com. You can go to our website, processingcollegefootball.com. You can find us on Twitter, processing CFB, college football, processing CFB on Twitter, um, tweet at us, uh, email us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, anything you want to correct us on or want us to cover, we'll be happy to do. And of course, um, if you tweet at us, uh, mashed potatoes this week, um, mm -hmm. I will give you your lucky numbers for the week. Um, you can take those and play the lottery. <laughs> um, I can't at this point guarantee they'll be winning numbers this time, uh, but they will be lucky. Uh, so go ahead and do that. Mark, anything else on your mind you want to talk about? We did have one lucky person also uh, get a sweet um, name from me. So We did. We did. Uh, so people, you can be jealous. Actually, out. I'm going to extend that offer. If you tweet at Mark Catlin, or if you tweet at Processing CFB, Macaroni, uh, Mark will still give you a nickname. We'll just we'll do that all season long. Macaroni, I'll give you a nickname. Perfect. All right. Uh, that's it for me from Birmingham, Alabama. Mark, I will talk to you next week. All right. Sounds good, Jason. Until then, keep processing college football. Right. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.